Australia is a world leader in food production. Alternative proteins, reducing water usage and repurposing waste are just some of the ways that Australian scientists are innovating our food systems. In this National Science Week series, we're going to discover what it means when food is different by design. Welcome back, everybody, to the National Science Week podcast series by Generation Ag. It's Kayla here hosting you for this episode. We've got one guest today and we are chatting all things food waste. So without further ado, let me jump straight in to introducing you to Dr. Bede Micken. Dr. Bede Micken is a microbial generalist and you'll find a bit more about just what that means in the interview. He's based out of the University of Western Australia. After dropping out of school in year 11, Bede went on to complete a bachelor's degree, followed by a postgraduate master's and a PhD. Bede finished his PhD in 2016 and went straight into the position of research and development manager for Rich Grow Garden Products and has brought scientific understanding to commercialisation at a national level. Bede conducts research in a couple of areas, being generating value from food waste, developing a biorefinery and climate change, especially around water stress and carbon sequestration. Bede also gives back to the next generation of scientists through his role at the university. This interview with Bede centres around food waste and just how his applied research is having an important impact generating value out of waste that would otherwise end up in landfill. Here's Bede. I'm full. Well, if you're full, that means that you don't have room for dessert. Actually, scientists have found that feeling full comes from the release of hormones after we've absorbed the nutrients from food. Sugars relax your stomach, so we feel less full, making it possible to fit more in. You still need to finish your vegetables first. Fill your science stomach with awesome events this National Science Week from the 14th of August. Head to scienceweek.net.au. Dr. Bede Micken, welcome to the National Science Week podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thank you, Kayla. I'm looking forward to talking about food waste and alternative uses for food waste. Awesome. Let's start first by having you introduce yourself. What is your connection to food? Um, well, I sit at UWA um, under the Institute of Agriculture at um, the university there, and all of my research is about how we can utilise food waste for um, sustainable bioplastics, energy, and how we can use those waste products for fertiliser for agriculture, but also the retail market for potting media as well. Super interesting and super diverse. I'm excited to talk to you about all of that today. Talk to us first about your career and study journey. Did you know what you oh, wanted yeah, to do okay. growing up? Oh, no way. <laughs> no way. Um, I, I finished school in year 11 and I went and did a carpentry apprenticeship. And then I, when I was 19, I had a, a, a pretty bad um, injury at work. I ruptured um, my back and I had to you know, take a lot of time off to do um, light duties because roof carpentry is very hard, heavy work in those days. Um, so when I was at 
doing light duties at a joinery workshop, my occupational health and safety person um, kind of advised me towards going towards more, or going back to finish year 12. So I studied year 11, finished year 11 at night school, and then I finished year 11, uh, 12 at night school as well. Uh, that led the door to going to university, and where I uh, did a Bachelor of Science at um, Murdoch University and Marine Science. And uh, from there I went into commercial fishing, where I was a fisheries observer for um, a fair while, until I got my girlfriend pregnant, and then, <laughs> then I had to change careers. I thought I would go back into... Um, again and I went and finished a, a Masters of Science at UWA underneath um, a professor there and I was lucky enough from the Masters of Science to be awarded a scholarship for a PhD where I did a PhD in um, soil biology and um, in, in using agricultural soils and how soil biology, bacteria, fungi, respond to predicted climate changes such as water stress and, and, um, and heat. This is so fascinating. It's, so that, it sounds like you yeah. had um, you had maybe no intentions of ever going into academia, and academia kind of just happened to you. Yeah, I had no intention to go to academia or university. I was quite yeah. happy going surfing and skateboarding and um, doing all the normal things that a you know a young young uh, you know teenager likes doing. And um, but that's just I, I didn't have a plan for anything, and it, everything just happens. And, uh, <laughs> That's, that's where yeah. we are today. But I, I finished my my PhD in 2016, and then I, I worked. I started a job at Rich Grove Garden Products as a research and development manager, and um, I, I've been I've been affiliated with that company um, well very much to this day. Amazing. Um, in your bio, yeah. it says that you are a microbial generalist. For the in, uninitiated yeah. among us, just what does that mean? Well, you, in in academia in the sciences, you have really, you have you have really smart people. You have really specialised people. Some people specialise just in cellular processes within within um within bacteria or fungi itself, and then you have um we call these very ultra specialists. And you have people who uh, uh, take a step back and who look at broader changes in the microbial community. So we look at not just bacteria, but we look at fungi as well. And we look at the ecological importance of bacteria and fungi working together. And we try to take a whole systems-based approach at, at the small scale, at the microbial level. So that's the anything that, you know, you need, you need a microscope to see or you need to use DNA to understand what that organism is. So, Bede, you wear a few different hats in different roles. Do you want to tell us about those? Yeah, sure. So um, currently, I'm still the research and development manager for Rich Grow Garden Products, um, which is an exciting company. Rich Grow takes a lot of waste and it converts it into more valuable products, such as you know we take at Rich Grow, they take about a hundred tons a day of food waste, and we'll talk about that a bit later. But they also take some other waste and turn it into potting media, like for example, green waste from councils throughout. So I oversee all those research and development programs. I'm also uh, the industry representative for soil science 
Western Australia, which is the well the, the peak body for um, representing um, the importance of soils in the urban and also the agricultural landscape. I I have a job where I'm working as a research fellow underneath a bio uh, biosolids program. So biosolids are the solid fraction of the municipal wastewater treatment process. In other words, it's literally solid processed crap, which is um, yeah. <laughs> it's smelly sometimes. Um, and then um, I'm also, um, you know, got a program out of Murdoch University where we're looking at how we can generate sustainable bioplastics from um, from fermenting other types of uh, waste materials, like food waste again, but also um, uh, microalgae and um, large algae as, as feedstocks. So, yeah, that's about it. I think it's a bit uh, challenging sometimes, but, um, you know, you do your best you can. <laughs> Definitely. And I think, um, you know, as a scientist at high, it must feel really good to see your research in action and having real impact. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's, it's probably the best part about the job is seeing, you know, the research that you um, deliver has been implemented and at the commercial scale. Um, and also the people on the journey is just as rewarding. For example, mm-hmm. if you're an honours student and you come along with a research project, it's really great to see students um, at the start, they're all nervous and scared and you know, don't really know what to do. And by the end of it, they're telling you what, <laughs> they're telling you everything about it. And it's, uh, it's really rewarding to see students grow. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's probably the best part of it as well. Yeah. So let's talk about the food waste now. Um, what started your work in this space? I'll just take a step back, Kat. I'll just try to I'll just yep. let the people understand what 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 is food waste to start with, because a lot of people are a little bit, you know, they don't really identify. Or they can't put their finger on what is food waste. Food yeah, go waste for it. Is a it's, it's a massive global problem. About one third of all food produced um, is for food. One third of all food produced for humans, food consumption, is wasted somewhere along the supply chain. There's three levels of food wastage. The first level of food wastage is at the production side, where, um, and that's at the farm level. So, for instance, a, a, a header might be taking the grain crop off, and uh, that a sample is taken at the sampling um, hut at, say, CBH, and I might detect a little bit of a, um, a, a little bit of a sprouting. The germ might just crack open, or they might detect a, a rock when they're sampling the grain or ryegrass seed. Now, if these contaminations are at a high enough level, then that the the grain can't be processed or can't be sold for food or for um for grain. So it has to go to either animal feed or they've got to go through another step to try to clear it up like a seed cleaner. Then another example would be horticulture where, say, a carrot farmer um, has got planted a whole lot of carrots, but all of a sudden there's too much of a supply in the domestic market and the farmer can't get the price for the carrots and he'll just plough the carrots back in and not even try to take the crop off. Or a fruit tree. A fruit tree might do the same where they've got too much fruit on the tree, they can't get the price that they want that was better for the ground and rot. So that's the first level, and that's production level. And 
we really need better technologies to improve that. And that's not really anything to do with the general population. That's about businesses and how they can really try to um, improve their production in terms of how much supply is needed and to, and to reduce the contamination risk. Mm-hmm. The next level is the supermarket and the distribution level. So the how food is transported once it's been sold or how it's distributed amongst the community. So we can have damaged foods from, you know, the forklift spearing up, um, making a mistake. We can have contamination, again, in the packaging line or the processing line. We can have contamination or we can have food that goes off on the supermarket and not enough was sold. So that's uh, that's now that's the level of food waste that Rich Crow will take and other food waste process or waste receivable people. And then there's the community level, which is you and I at home. And some of these examples could be, you know, the milk goes off in the fridge or the celery goes too limp in the crisper and we throw that out. Or maybe your little brother or sister or your child um, don't finish their food and it goes to scraps to bins. So they're the three levels, and they've all got different solutions to them. The solution at home for the for you and the listener is to, if you want to do something about food waste, the best thing you can do is actually really plan out your meals or get the person in the household to write down and write out their plans for the for the coming week. Now that can make a really that can really dramatically decrease your local food waste in your household. You can have a compost bin, which is fantastic, a worm farm, or if you're really in the outer areas and where you're allowed to have chickens, maybe you can get some chickens. So that's the three levels where food waste can occur. Mm-hmm. So coming back to that food one, uh, the, the, the middle one, at the, um, at the supermarket and at the distribution level, that, there's actually a lot of waste that occurs at that level. Companies like Rich Grove, um, and other companies around the world um, identified that kind of band of food waste as being um, the most potential because those supermarkets are at that distribution level are producing enough food waste that it's, a, it's actually a big problem for them hmm. because it's got to go to landfill. That attracts the landfill levy. That means that you know, you're looking at two or $300 a tonne to get rid of that food waste. So the way that these food waste receivers um, are able to operate is to have gate fees. So for every ton of waste that they rich grow or any other company receives, they get paid to take the waste and then they process the waste through a process called anaerobic digestion. So let's expand a bit now on anaerobic digestion because it might be a big word and it's a We'll break it down into something really simple. Did, did you know what anaerobic digestion is, Carla? No, I don't, and I bet I'm not the only one. <laughs> so if you think of a, a stomach, um, what about a cow stomach? You know, the cows and sheep, uh, they eat a lot of grass, and then they chew it around for a lot. They've got all these stomachs, and they chew it back and forth. And what they're doing there is they're allowing the microorganism to break down the food into the building blocks for methane, which is volatile body acids. So the animal chews the pasture, it goes around it, and they burp. 
And what they burp is, and they don't fart, they burp methane. And methane is a flammable gas. So if you think of anaerobic digestion, just think of a, a great big mechanical gut that's using microorganisms to break down the organic matter into the building blocks for methane to be produced. Now, you can capture that methane and then you can turn it into energy. If we take that biogas or the methane, which is the main constituent of biogas, we then have to process that gas furthermore. So we have to reduce the moisture content and what we do is we just put it through a chiller and that reduces the humidity. And then we put it into a great big engine and we literally use it as fuel for an engine. And on the back of that engine is a alternator and that generates electricity. So it's, if you think of it like a mechanical gut burping gas, harvesting that gas, and we can turn that into electricity. And the good thing about this electricity is that it is baseload energy. Um, what that means is that the energy is always there. As long as we keep feeding the, the big mechanical gas, it's not like uh, solar panels where if it's a night time, they're not working. It's not like a wind turbine where when it's not windy, it's not turning around. So we've got consistent baseload energy. Now, in the UK, in the United Kingdom, there's about 300 food waste AD facilities. In Northern Europe, there's thousands. And in America, in the United States, there's also thousands. And the reason why there's so many over, over in these other countries is because they're popped up by government subsidies. So the government has financial incentives to be able to make these facilities more profitable. Here in Western Australia and Australia, we don't have these government subsidies. We do have, you are eligible for large-scale green energy certificates or indeed um, Australian carbon credit units for carbon trading, but they're not as lucrative as what they are over there. So we have to find really more innovative ways on making um, these systems more profitable more um, increased production, and that's been the main focus for, for my work over the last kind of three years at least. That sounds so fascinating. Um, a, a mechanical gut, I am trying to picture it. Um, you were telling me yesterday when we were on the phone, um, you, you have quite a large facility here in WA. Yeah, so Carla, our, the Rich Grow facility, which is a garden product company, Rich Grow takes about 100 tonne of food waste a day. So you can, if you can think about, you know, five great big trucks coming in today, and they've got uh, two massive tanks that's five million litres big, and it's, it's, it's happening. You know, we're producing a lot of gas, and the system's running. Um, uh, they can, these systems are well, the technology is well developed. They are, they can also be adapted for agriculture. A lot of piggeries use um, anaerobic digestion to process the the, um, the effluents from the pigs. Mm-hmm. And there's all in America and Europe. You know, there's also bioenergy crops where they'll actually just grow a crop just to produce the electricity or, or the secondary products. Mm. 
And um, so you said that's happening overseas. Is the reason that's not happening here in Australia because of those, uh, like the financial um, incentive isn't there or we're just not there with the technology or... Oh, look, we've got some of the best anaerobic digestion experts in in the world here in Australia. We've got the technology, we've got the people, we've got the... And we've got the environment as well to do it. The mm. the problem with um, the, the, all these processes is that we also generate a waste. So for every tonne of food we produce or we take in, we've got to add an extra amount of water to the product to make it pumpable so they can go around the tanks and everything. And what that means is that we've got our own effluent. And this effluent is called digestate. And digestate is a, it's a very black, smelly liquid. Um, it contains a very available form of nitrogen in, in, as, as ammonium, which is NH4. And it's great for growing plants. The unfortunate thing is that it's just at a, uh, and not, the nitrogen is not in a high enough concentration to make it a super valuable fertilizer. So for example, if I go down and buy fertilizer from CSVP, it's about 32% nitrogen for a liquid flexigen fertilizer. And now ammonium in our level of indigestate is about half a percent. So what that means is to get the same nitrogen effect, we have to add a lot more digestate. And this, this causes logistical constraints for distributing this digestate to the regional areas. Remember in Rich Grow's facilities in Jandicott, that means that you've got to truck out, you know, a, 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 at least, you know, 100,000 litres a day to the regions if you wanted to use it as a fertiliser. But, you know, it's a good fertiliser and the system will be better in agricultural regions where they can manage their digestate. But luckily for Rich Grow, they're a composting company. So this digestate is, as they add it to the base materials for compost, and because compost needs a lot of water and humidity for the microbes to work and break down the organic material for compost, it, 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 it's really a, a great scenario for Rich Grow and being able to utilise that waste resource from the AD facility for anaerobic digestion and use it for a composting process. Is, um, it's, it's what we call in the industry vertical integration. Yeah, it's... um. Yeah, nice to see sort of the loop closing up, I suppose, and having, you know, waste being used and then used again after that. Yeah, it's super cool. It's, yeah, it's super cool. And the way that we're able to get around that odour issue, because it's smelly and, you know, no one likes to be, is that in the composting sheds at Rich Grow, we've got uh, a, what's called a biofilter, so we're able to suck out all that air and rub it, run it through a, a filter as such and... So that we don't have, you know, that that that, that odorous complaint. And you mentioned before um, that you use a uh, quite a significant amount of water in the system. Um, are there is is that water that's reused, or are there ways that you guys are looking at reducing water inputs? Oh yeah, that's a great question, Carla. Well, luckily for rich growers, they're um, they're on a great big water catchment. So due to the regulatory constraints of their license. It means they're not. That it means the site has got to be a water catchment. 
So if you come to the site, you'll see that there's dams and dams and dams. So we harvest the rainwater on our, you know, it's a massive site, and we collect it from dam to dam to dam, and that's how we're able to process the, the digestate. The recycling of digestate back into the front end is problematic, and that's why we use it as a composting process because of the nitrogen. If you get too much nitrogen, in, if you recycle the nitrogen, the digestate, which has got nitrogen in it, you can get nitrogen toxicity, and this toxicity can reduce your, um, it can, it can reduce the diversity in the tanks. So when you get low bacteria diversity, because this is a biological process, right? When you reduce your diversity, you reduce your efficiency in producing methane, and eventually you get to a, um, a system where your process inhibited, and this arises from um, a, a too, too high concentration of ammonium. I mean, big picture, where, what portion of the world's sort of electricity needs do you think can be produced from a system like this? Well, I, I don't think that um, it's much. But I think that um, you see all these new um, cost per kilowatt hour of production. The solar and wind are just, you know, too far ahead and they've just been decreasing and decreasing. So you, we try not to think of anaerobic digestion of food waste as a, as a large player for electricity production. But we think of it as a management solution for, mm-hmm. that's beneficial for food waste and other waste. So that's where the real value is, is instead of these waste going to landfill, we mm. can utilise them, baseload electricity, great, and we can also use the, the waste as a, as, a, as a product for mm. aiding in composting. So mm-hmm. small scale, really, I don't, I don't see much of a, a future in it for just electricity, but I mm-hmm. see a, a massive future in like a sustainable closing and loop um, kind of management for, for food waste mm. and other food wa- uh, other other waste materials potentially. Mm. And what do you think needs to happen to sort of to drive that forward to, to sort of drive the uptake of, of anaerobic systems like this? Well, first of all, um, we need the regulators, which is the Department of Water and Environmental Regulation, to acknowledge the fact that once these food waste have pros gone through the system that the end product is a processed liquid, it's a processed waste, and it shouldn't be classified as a waste, it should be classified as a as a fertiliser component. A large part of the problems that we had, at least in the initial stages, is that the regulator would classify our digestate as a as, as a waste product, and it has to be, as such, a con- managed in a controlled waste category. That means that we aren't allowed to sell it to a farmer for fertiliser. Even though the digestate has got a, a you know, Australian accredited organic certification, it wasn't seen as a fertilizer. It was seen as a waste, a controlled waste. So that took a lot of effort and lobbying. The regulators showed them that we could actually use this waste as a fertilizer, and so they did eventually um, bend. So that was really good. That was a positive outcome. But to really get anaerobic digestion going, we we need to be able to draw more value from food waste. We need to be able to see what else can we get from biogas because biogas and electricity is not a high value product. It, you know, relatively, it's not you know, valuable. So a large part of the research that we've been doing 
has been looking at how we can use the first stage because our system's broken into two stages, a fermentation stage where we have an acidic condition followed by uh, a methanogenesis stage, which is a great big fat, which is in the absence of oxygen anaerobic. So the first stage, let's just focus on that acidic fermentation, is where we've got a bacteria. Now this bacteria produces a lot of lactic acid. And lactic acid for the downstream process, that is where methane, where methane is produced, is not really that beneficial. So what we've been doing is looking at how we can um, harvest that lactic acid and how we can um, integrate lactic acid fermentation into the anaerobic digestion process. So now let's let's have a quick chat. At, do you, are, are you familiar, Carla, with bioplastic? Yes, yes, and it's very exciting. So why don't you share your work in this space? So you hear that no one likes plastics. The whole world hates traditional plastics, and you've seen the uprise of these bioplastics or these, um, you know, they're called compostable plastics as well. These compostable plastics are just booming. They're they're growing at a 20% annual compound growth rate. So that means year on year, there's a higher higher demand for um, these plastics. Now, the problem with bioplastics, one of the problems, and there's a few, is that these bioplastics are are made from uh, agricultural crops such as corn, wheat, cassava root in the northern hemisphere. So bioplastics aren't really that good because they're, a lot of energy has been taken up to grow them. They had to be harvested. The, the corn has to be grown, harvested. Then it's got to be mashed up. And then it's got we add a bacteria in a big vat and we ferment the lactic acid. We pull the lactic acid and we turn that lactic acid into polylactic acid, which is the main bioplastic that you see. So, Kayla, our system is where we don't use a food rate, we don't use an agricultural crop to grow the lactic acid. We use waste food to grow the lactic acid. We pull the lactic acid out and we let the residual organic matter or the leftover organic matter go into the big tanks and that can still generate a lot of electricity. So we get this really synergistic, this beneficial relationship of integrating biopolymer or bioplastic production into two-stage anaerobic digestion processes. Wow, that sounds really, really exciting as far as um, what it means for our food waste system. What's the, I mean, you know, this is a very new concept, I'm sure, for so many. What What's the prevalence of things like this happening at the moment or are you guys really pushing pushing the envelope on this? Well, there's it's in the we're all trying to do it all the academic world who are in this circular economy space we're all trying to push hard on this concept and this concept so take a step back the concept is food waste um, big global problem what can we do with it anaerobic digestion barely or it's not not needs more value in that product okay what about integrating uh, lactic acid for biopolymer production. So food waste getting turned now into bioplastic and electricity is super cool. That's what we're all trying to do. And it's a process 
that is or it's a concept called the biorefinery. So the biorefinery is where you have a single waste input and you strip off as many um, valuable products down the process as you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, the biorefinery um, stems itself from the oil refinery. So it's analogous to the, the oil refinery where you have a single crude mm-hmm. oil and you strip off as many different products as you can from that single um, stream of input. So we're all trying to do it. Um, and there's a whole, there's a couple of labs in um, France, Germany, United States, um, and we're all kind of talking to each other and sharing data and, um, you know, helping each other out. This is so fascinating. Beat, I have to know, um, what does a day in the life look like for you? Uh, it's, it's busy. It's a lot of data. I've got a lot of students, so I spend a lot of time kind of rigorously talking to students and discussing the data. I've got lots of collaborators around the world, especially Queensland, Murdoch University. Um, all, we're, we're all desperately trying to share data, share knowledge, and see how, how we can get these systems operational. So, yeah, mm-hmm. in front of the computer, in the lab, meeting with students, and um, ha- and most importantly, having fun. Like, this is <laughs> super fun, and everyone's really passionate about what they're doing, and um, everyone's really supportive, so it's a really it's a really good environment. Oh, it sounds like it. Um, the the National Science Week topic for this year is food different by design. What does that concept mean to you? So I think food by design, from my perspective, is about how we can design better systems to reduce waste. Because remember, you know, the first thing that we want to do is reduce the waste, um, and that comes from designing better. Um, agricultural management systems, better food processing systems. The next stage of food waste is how we can reuse it as well. So what could we, maybe if that leftover meal is going to, that could form the basis for the next meal in the home. But the last thing that we should be doing is recycling. And that's where I do. That's where I sit, is recycling food waste into other products, whether it be biogas or um, biopolymer production. So... Yeah, I think that's where our, you know, food by design can step into all of those levels. And mm-hmm. for the listeners at home, just remember, you know, all recycling comes down to reduce, reuse, and the last option should always be recycle. Mm. That's interesting because um, obviously a lot of the messaging we hear as a consumer is recycle, recycle, recycle. You know, we've got these the containers for change concept and we've got uh, this that's here in WA and then, you know, we've got, you know, we're always looking at, is this recyclable, is it not? How do we sort our recycling? The councils are telling us or giving us fines for what's recyclable what's, what's, or what's not, sorry. Um, but, you know, like you said, it, it's reduce first, re, reuse second, and then re- recycle first. Do you think there should be more messaging yeah. around the reduce side of things? Oh, the definitely. We should always. The first, thing, the first thing is reduce. If you can't, you know, if you can't, if, let's take that plastic bottle, for example. If you can't, you should have your own metal bottle or whatever you want. If you, but if you can't get that bottle, then you buy the bottle and then you reuse that bottle for as long as you can and then you recycle that bottle. So it's, it's that tier of reduce, reuse, recycle that we should all uh, think about in our daily lives, um, how, how we can live by that mantra. Because essentially, if we, can, if we can just reduce everything, then we don't have to recycle. And we don't want to mm. have to recycle. You know, recycling is that, <laughs> recycling is really problematic. 
that is expensive. So if there's ways that we can always reduce, reuse, and then last option, all right, well, let's recycle. And look, no company, well, from a food waste management perspective, no supermarket wants to wants to pay a company to get rid of their waste because it's it's money that's been lost. So it's in the all everyone's best interest is to reduce the amount of waste that they they um they produce. And the best way to do that is to look at your production line, look at the technologies that exist that can reduce that waste production. It might be an extra, um, from a managed farm management perspective, it might be a, a new technology to analyse the market so that you don't have to put in so many carrots. Or it might, for a, a grain grower, it might be a new technology that can filter out some ryegrass, or a new technology that can prevent the ryegrass from um, entering into the, the the header. We 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 need to really advance technology so that we can do the first dramatically decrease the first one, which is reduce food waste. Bede, um, one last question before we sort of let you go. You're obviously passionate about giving back to the next generation of scientists through, you know, being a supervisor yourself. What advice would you give to someone just starting out on their research pathway? Um, reach out to people, contact people. Um, don't be shy to, you know, you can, on this podcast, um, Maybe you could put a, um, a, a um, Twitter handle, Kayla, or an Instagram handle. Definitely. You can follow the people that you can follow the people that you know you want to move with, and contact them. <laughs> Reach out, say, "Hey, this is me. Um, you know, I'm just interested in this space. Is there anything I can do to help?" Or um, you, you'll be surprised how many nice people there are at the university. And it only takes just a little bit of time to reach out and connect and and to let people know what you're interested in. And the second one is be good at what you do. Like really, like you know, do your research. Do your, don't don't just go. Oh, I'm interested in food waste. Do a bit of research. Show us that you're capable. You're self-driven. You're motivated, and um, and you know that that's when you get really um good relationships between and synergies because we all want to help people. We're all on the same pathway essentially for food waste management. Um, you you'll find lots of support. At least at UWA has got a great. We've got a great team of people interested in food waste and other mm-hmm. waste as well from agriculture. That is fabulous advice. Bede, um, you just mentioned Twitter handles and things. Where can people go to learn more about you? You can just type in um, bede.micken or bede micken and um, you'll see um, uh, UWA depository come up. Um, click on the link. It's all there. I've got Twitter handles, Instagram, uh, everything. I, I, I do a lot of um, social uh, outreach, science outreach, so... Um, I'm probably the easiest person to find in food waste. <laughs> Wonderful. Bede, thank you so much for your time today. You've joined us from your commute to work, which with the weather the way it's been in Perth at the moment, I'm sure it's actually uh, quite crazy on the road this morning. No, it's, it's a perfect time as well. I'm just rocking up to the UWA car park and I'm just going to oh. get straight into the lab for the first Look at that. Hours, so. <laughs> well done. <laughs> thank you so, so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the National Science Week podcast by Generation Ag. On the next episode, we're going to meet two innovators who are changing the game in sustainable food production. Just what does black soldier fly farming have to do with fish? Tune in when we chat to Luke Wheat and Katarina Dowdy.
In the meantime, head over to scienceweek.net.au to see what National Science Week's events are on in your area this year or check the National Science Week Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Instagram.